Welcome to the Career Conversations podcast brought to you by Hunter Recruitment Group. I'm Craig McGregor and I really hope you're enjoying our podcast series of learning why people do what they do and exploring how they've gotten into the positions they are and, and how it's affected their lives and it's really fun bringing this conversation series to you so I hope, I hope you're enjoying it. And today is a really, a really cool conversation with a gentleman by the name of Lachlan Jones-Mashman. Uh, Lachlan I've known for a number of years and, and met through a family friend and, and have had some really enjoyable conversations, normally over a beer or two. So today's a little bit tamer than what we normally talk about, but it's a great conversation into what he's done in his life. And I love his motivations. We, you'll learn as, he's, uh, as you meander through his career, he was in the armed services, but I love how when he was a kid, he, he saw a gentleman driving down the road doing the same thing every day and, and he had a yearning for adventure. So he took off and did that. And it's great to go behind the veil and learn about how someone becomes you know, a serviceman in the armed forces and, and then what they do post you know, their armed services career. So sit back and enjoy a great conversation with a fun guy, Lachlan Jones-Mashman. Today's podcast is brought to you by Hunter Recruitment Group people-centric recruiters. HRG looks to use technology and personal interviewing techniques to ensure the best fit possible for both the candidate and the employer. We operate labour hire and temp services for various sites, conduct permanent recruitment searches and have an innovative program we call temp to perm You can find us on the web www.hrgroup.com.au or search for us on your favourite social site, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn. Whether you're an employer looking for a fantastic new team member or you're an individual seeking their next great career move, start a conversation with Hunter Recruitment Group today. So welcome to the Career Conversations podcast, Lachlan Jones-Mashman. Thanks, Craig. Great to be here, mate. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this chat. You've got a different background to most, I think, or you've come from a bit of a a service background to start, and I really want to get into that and let our listeners understand and know a little bit about that that area of work. So why don't we start at the start? What did you do? What what did you want to do when you left school? That's uh, an interesting question. I've been asked that a lot, and if I look back uh, at that time, I had absolutely no idea. Yep. So, and that's okay, isn't it? Yeah, mate, it's absolutely fine. And I think that's one thing that you, you can if you, you you can come to peace with, you know, as you move through your career. I remember I've got a distinct re- memory of uh, school, you know, it wasn't really for me and, you know, square peg, round hole, all that sort of stuff. And uh, it was after my dad had passed away and my mum, she asked me, she said, oh, look, what are you going to do? And I said, I don't know. Everybody just stop asking me that. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really yeah. good point. It, it must freak kids yeah. out. Or I remember oh, it, it too. Everyone wants to know, mm. what are you going to do when you grow up? Well, when yeah. I grow up, I'll figure it out. Yeah, I'll work it out. <laughs> what, what am I doing now? So I, I had, and then it was almost, you know, things come in pairs or threes or whatever. It's just whatever. It's your own perception. But I was driving home. I come from Martinsville, a bit of a rural community, you know, and, and I, I, I'm driving home one day and I see this uh, guy coming the other way. And it's this old cocky who'd been driving down that road. I, I think I'd seen him driving back and forth on that road since it was like one of my first memories. It's this old crusty guy as a farmer, you know. I thought, he's just driving up and down this road his whole life. And I think what I wanted, so if you'd ask me again, what did I want to do? I, I needed adventure. I yeah, thought okay, You didn't thought, want to be him. What it, yeah. It, hey, nothing wrong with what that guy yeah. was doing, but I just thought to myself, what am I going to do this till I'm 80? Nah. Go, and in my mind something snapped and I was like, go and find adventure, go and find something. So how old you were know. you then? 
I would have been about 17 and a half, I think. So I was working odd jobs, slashing paddocks, working at the servo, you know, driving a party, sleeping in my back of my car, yep. <laughs> you know, all that sort of weird stuff. Uh, kind of, again, school just costing me time and money. Yeah, right. like, always very physical. And then, uh, yeah, so I was just doing that. And then, uh, uh, yeah, that's, so then I, I, it, I sort of set myself driving home. I literally pulled to the side of the road and thought to myself, geez, what am I going to do? Yep. <laughs> and then I just went home that night and here's the things that come in threes. I'm just watching the TV and I get a phone call. My, my, my auntie rings a house and she's, she was a reservist in the army. And, uh, and then on that night on TV, I'm seeing the military ads. You know, the Navy wants you, the army wants you. And I'm thinking to myself, hey, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> and got to be honest with you, that, that's the only idea I had. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I, well, I thought I could slash paddocks or do yep. fen- fencing or farm cattle or something f- forever. But I thought, yeah, that's, that's always going to be here. So so your your perception mm. at the start was this was a place for adventure. This was going to take me somewhere. Yeah, I, yeah, I thought, what can I do? Where are they going to pay me to do what I want to do? And I, 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 yeah, it's interesting how you... I, I think I kind of like... Yeah, anyway, so long story short, I, I rang them up, so it's 17 and a half, and then sort of I got to the end of the year and uh, and then I, I made some phone calls and it's all, it's all like a set of dominoes, mm. you know, it all happens really quickly. Mm. So then it's, uh, I made some phone calls, yeah, come in, go and get... So that. tell me about that, yeah, come in. How, how does the recruitment process work yeah. for the armed forces? So essentially, it's pretty simple. It's exactly like, well, it's simple for some people, I think it's tricky for others, but uh, essentially, call the number... So you're at the home, do, 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 do. Yep. yep. Oh, great. What's your age? This and that and the other. I send you some stuff in the mail. You fill in the questionnaires. They're pretty. They're pretty standard stuff. Uh, you send them back, and they give you a call. You go into the local recruitment office. Yep. So at that time, it was uh, William Town, I think, randomly, but I think there's one in town. Yeah. Okay. In Newcastle, so you go and see those guys. They. It was literally. I remember them being pretty busy on the day. The guy just sort of looked me up and down, you know, from head to toe yep. and handed me another form. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay, fill this in, mail it off. Oh, right. So at this stage, you haven't really so done anything but yeah. filled out any so forms. You just filled out know? paperwork. And at the same time, I'm like, then I'm trying to seek people out, you know, what yep. did you do in the military? Every person I met after yeah, that, good. I was like, geez, you know. So a bit nervous. And then they send you to the big city. So they go, okay, now you've got your, so you get sort of selected, like pre-selected type thing. Uh, and then they send you down to Sydney. So do you get to choose between Army, Air Force, Navy? Or you, how does that work? You do at the start. So, yeah. so you chose... Yeah. What did you choose? Well, I chose Army to start off. Yep. So I had this big grand plan in my head. So once... And then all of a sudden, once you think, oh, okay, then you get an idea in your head. Think, right, I'm going to be a rifleman. I'm going to... I might be able to drive tanks. Oh, hang on. I'm good at mechanical stuff. And then read through the list. I'm going to tick... tick a, so you tick a few of the boxes that you think for yep. you, you know. And then you have like a career sort of session with these guys here and they might steer you say oh no it's not for you you know whatever or some people but you know uh jet fighter pilot only <laughs> you know like <laughs> yep. and they give you a bit of reality you know listen yep. mate you're six foot They've tall top gun. you're this wide you know yeah you, yeah exactly too much uh, top gun so uh you do that and then uh so you can actually like you elect you elect a service you have yep. to actually like elect a service straight off and then uh uh, so then you have the interview and they give you some sort of tips and say, listen, this is the sort of jobs we've got. And actually at this point, it, it's in my memory, 
you've actually got real no idea what mm. any of them do. Yeah, I and I think that's probably one of the military's main problems that they just so like not say, selling the yeah, job. Hey, come and work for us. Yeah. And there's a million jobs, but we don't act as, you know, all you've seen is what's in movies and, you yeah. know, maybe, especially for me, I had no family members that were, or other than my auntie, that yep. were really in the military. Yep. And uh, so, and then they call you up and say, hey, go to the big city, which was uh, a bit of an experience for me because I wasn't really good with the crowds in the big cities, you know, <laughs> circular, uh, the trains in Sydney got off at the wrong station yep. you know walked up oh this is where museum is okay I could have just got the train <laughs> to the next station sort of thing going to the big building and then uh, actually I remember on the day so you go through that process then you do that testing day uh, and this is the day in the big city where you do the medical yep. so you know big tall building in Sydney somewhere you do the medical testing <clears throat> pardon me uh, and then you do your attribute testing and then psychological testing so physical testing for me, uh, no-brainer. Uh, pass it, no worries. And that's not a physical test, that's just medical yep. type stuff. Uh, and then you do uh, your like your brains test, like how smart you are type thing. Yep. And I remember this was a really big, uh, an eye-opener for me. So I'd elected to do the testing for mechanic, uh, diesel mechanic in the army. And I went into the test and... Uh, here's me, I got no pens, not a thing, <laughs> you know. And I go into this classroom and it's all these kids is essentially young men sitting down who ultimately, obvious to me then, had just finished year 12, pulling out all their calculators, their pens and pencils and setting out their desk. For this. Yeah, and I'm just thinking to myself, oh, hang on a minute. I think I've made a mistake. <laughs> And typically, I was horrid at testing. I didn't do very well in school at all. Yep. Uh, so I sit through this test. It's like a three-hour test. And, you know, I sort of throw my pencil in the room at the end and walk out. And you've got to wait around. They actually run, like, the test. Oh, okay. You have to wait. wait. Yeah, they sort of wait around and give you an assessment. So I'm there, like, all day. Uh, and then you do your psychological testing. They ask you a bunch of weird questions, you know, when you're on top of stuff, do you feel like jumping off? And all, this, <laughs> all this sort of weird questions that you're not. When you're 17 and a half or 18, yep. you, you, like, you don't have to answer that. Yep. You know? So you do your best and then and they come to me and they said, oh, listen, you've got this score. And they said, this is where you wanted to be as a mechanic in the army and you're all the way down here. <laughs> and I just thought to myself, I actually got a bit annoyed because I said I was doing really well in my class in mechanics I had practical experience of yep. like working on tractors at the farm and all that stuff. And I just remember thinking to myself, which one of these guys is going to yeah. fix your car when it breaks down? You know, a bit naive then, you know, judging, judging all those people by their covers, if you will. Yep. And I was sort of, I, I was a bit calm. I didn't, I didn't have this shit. So I walked out and I've got my hand on the, on the door handle to walk out. And this guy puts his hand on my shoulder and he says, you. And I was, oh yeah. And I turned around, it was a naval warrant officer. Dressed in his whites, you know, big tall guy, hat on, he's got all the insignia on, you know, looks a million dollars. And he said, show me your paper. So I just handed it to him and he goes, still want a job? And I said, well, yeah, I didn't come all the way here for nothing. And he mm. goes, I've got just the job for you. <laughs> and then that was it. And that's Bang, how you you're in. The Navy. Like a month later, three days after my 18th birthday, on the bus and you're off. So what was the job? Uh, it was marine, marine technician. Uh, for the Royal Australian Navy. Yeah, okay. Mm. So, so that's 
Before we get into the job, yeah. tell me about family. What did mum and dad think about this? Well, uh, dad had passed away. Yep. So I think that was part of the reason for the... Uh, he passed away when I was 15. Mm-hmm. And I kind of after that point, uh, not floated, but just, you know, was kind of... Yeah, it's a strange place to be in. Yep. Mum I was always a hard worker, so that wasn't a problem. So mum's just saying, well, like, you work hard enough, you bring home money, you do, not that, not that was, you know, I had jobs, it wasn't, I wasn't a mooch or anything like that, paid board, all that type of stuff. And she was just like, what you, like, not pressuring you, but what are you going to do? Mm. You can't just do this. So, anyway, so, yeah, and then... Uh, but more mum, importantly, I was like, what, yeah. did, did she want you to leave? Or did no, you? she didn't. Yeah. I, I think one of the things that was really good is she put almost no... Uh, you know that gentle just... Oh, have you thought about it yet? Mm. You know, oh yeah, so I have to think about it. You know, so I think she she didn't have. She just said, whatever you want to do is fine. She's gonna back you, but just do what. Just do something. You know, yeah, and it's okay. No worries. So back me. And I think, yes, yeah, I came home one day and it's like I sat her down, and I said, right, this is what I'm gonna do. And she <laughs> just said, well, that's completely out of left field. And she just said, I think you'd be good at it. Just off you go. Mm. And it kind of happened. Like it happened so quickly. And all of a sudden you're on the bus. And I remember thinking out the bus window, looking out the back window going, uh, can like I hop off the bus? Like <laughs> yeah, like you're in a movie, you yeah, know. Wow. You get the big bag, you don't know where you're going. Like, like on a bus. Like, what was the song playing in your head? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> it's like a movie. <laughs> it's, it's, it was actually, you think it's like that, but it was just kind of like that long drawn out noise, yeah. like, mm, like what have I done sort of thing. So step me through that then. So, mm. so you've been tapped on the shoulder by a man in white. Yeah. You're now yeah. in the Navy. Well, so then I said, and I kind of just thought to myself, well, I'm not going out here without a job. Uh, and then they do some more testing and send you some more stuff. Uh, and then they, then then you get into a bit more sort of profiling. So what's the time profile are there of first first day you walked into the recruitment place here in, in the Hunter yep. to starting? What was the time period? Uh, for me, it was probably right on about six months. Yeah, wow. Yeah, so it can be longer, it can be quicker. Uh, depending, so what they'll do is once you get to a certain point where you've done all the testing, you've got your sort of rating, and actually that rating that you get goes across all three services for all the jobs. Yeah, okay. So you get like, an, like a psychological, uh, I can't think of the right word, but the smarts and a medical rating, and that, that's sort of your rating. That that's your key numbers. You can unlock any yep. of those things that you're available to do. Uh, and so then um, once you get to that point, they say, okay, and they start to sort of guide you and profile you a bit and say, well, you know, we, you, you might have to wait for a recruitment school. So you're like, they don't run all the time. I think they do four a year in the peak times, you know, that sort of thing. So you wait for a recruit school, you get a slot in that recruit school, uh, go down to boot camp, if you will. Uh, and then so, yeah, for that for me, it was quite quick. It all just worked out really well. I'd rung up in the middle of the year. I sort of did all, just kept the pressure on, rang up, did all the testing. And then they just said, hey, guess what? There's a, there's a... A recruit school in January. Did you, you go. did you have a plan B? I didn't have any plan B at all. <laughs> yeah, which sounds silly at the time. Uh, I think what worked for me was I didn't have any pre-expectations uh, or anything um, about the military. It was kind of, it just dawned on me one day and I thought, wow, they, this could be really, really good. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to pay me. All I've got to do is turn up, do the right thing, essentially do what you're told and... You know, and, and that was it. So yeah, no plan B. I guess my plan B was to stay at the farm, 
and I was sort of thinking how to get some money together to buy some cattle and do like really like a uh, yeah like a farming type thing. But mm-hmm. um, I kind of th- I was looking at that thinking, oh, is that got adventure in it? Yeah, not really. Uh, yet. Not to be done that since I was a kid, you know. All right, so let's let's go. Yeah. Let, we've started. Tell me about the navy. What happens? Well, so uh, just following that process, which is actually quite interesting at the start, you have uh, so you go to boot camp, which is you know. The, f- the first night, yeah, you know, you oh, this, you're in a strange place. You're all in rooms with, you know, it's like so all these guys together. Shoved into a dormitory. Yeah, here you go. Be here at this time tomorrow morning, you know. And it's, uh, yeah, so they do that you do that. It's a three-month uh, process for that to turn you from a civilian into a sailor. Yep. So all, all people in the military either become... Uh, a soldier, a sailor, or an airman. So you, your boot first. camp is Navy only? Uh, yeah, it yep. is. So that's down in Melbourne, in Victoria, uh, and you know, got Army, Air Force do theirs. And so I'm not sure where the Air Force do theirs, but I think you know the Army's like a puka and all that type of stuff. Yep. So that's that. They first turn. So it's not. It's nothing about what you're going to do as a as a job in the end. Yeah. It's all about turning you into a sailor. Yep. So you just do that for three months. What's the drop off rate? Uh, is it high? It's interesting. I remember I got a distinct memory of everyone standing in a row, yep. and then they say. The bus will leave to go back in an hour. You're more than welcome to be on that bus. <laughs> and <laughs> it's not till the last minute. And there's like two or three guys scurry off with their bags and get back on the bus, which is really interesting. And you kind of, and then it gets real because you're like, mm. whoa, this is, these guys have just, they're going. They, yep. they know already it's not for them. Yep. So they've gone to all that trouble, got their bags, come down. And then they're just, nah, and they're no. back on the bus to go mm. home. Then the next one, so it's quite intensive. You do things like, you know, your fitness. It's fitness every day. You learn how to shoot a rifle. You learn survival at sea. You learn all these, uh, these uh, all about rank and the military and all this sort of stuff. So and you do all those skills. Then you get to what's called day 64. So another part, another answer to your question is at day 64 is the last opportunity you have before you're still technically a civilian. Uh-huh. You're right. So <laughs> they say they get everybody in a room again, all standing at the front, and they say, "Here's a card table with a bunch of forms on it. One form is you signing to say you want to um, committing. committing to the military, and you're going to sign on to be a serviceman or woman, and a woman. And this one is to book the bus to go <laughs> home <laughs> again. <laughs> so what was the number? Was it high? I don't. I don't remember it being that high. Yeah. Okay. I remember. I remember. So once you've made that commitment, people stick. I think so. Well, they at least stick out the boot camp. Yep. And then, and then, and into their career to see what's happening. It's very interesting to see. And I've got a memory of we already knew who those people were who were going to go and sign the form on the right. You kind of, oh yeah, John O and uh, yep. Sally and Jimbo, they, they they're not staying. And they knew it. They openly, yep. yeah, they're flying the rules and you know sort of thing. So, and then you finish recruit school, and then you go into. Uh, so you do passing out parades, and then you're a sailor, and then you go into your what they call category training. So you're a chef, you're a cook, a chef, yep. you're a um, you're a marine technician like me, you're an electrical technician, you're a CSO. Those guys are the combat systems operators. So then you, you just like diverse. You just go out to all the places in Australia where they do those where they do that training. Mm-hmm. And so you were you were going to do the marine technician training. Yep. So again, were you thinking long-term with your career? Were you going, yeah, I can do this for five years and then I'll be able to return to the hunter and, <laughs> and I'll be able to it's, be a marine technician in Hunter Water or I don't know, were you yeah, thinking like that? Absolutely not. Yeah. I was just, thinking the next thing are one after another. Yep. And it, you get into a bit of survival mode when you join that sort of thing because there's a lot going on and you just think, okay, 
if I can just get to the end of this recruit school yeah, and I'll okay. pass and I'm done, next right, step. what's next? And then that's almost like it all changes. Hit you in another room and yep. they go, right, you're now a sailor. Now you're going to be doing this. All you guys are going to be doing this. Like, oh, okay. Well, let's all go do that. Yeah, so you kind of, you're told what to do almost. Yep. There was a bit of, okay, you, you, they start to sort of, okay, you want to plan out your career. But essentially, it's, it, it's, you, you're like an apprentice. So it's kind of like, yeah. I wasn't thinking to myself, oh, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going I'm to be in the military for however many years. Uh, yeah, no, I, I would have to say I had no real plan for the future, long-term strategy, yeah. uh, other than stay in. And, and I, I, I did actually, I, I should correct that. I, I was, in my mind, I was thinking to myself, I'd love to be a tradesman. Get to that point. But that wasn't any sort of other plan as to what I was going to do after that. So very much just focused on what I was doing at the time. Yep. Uh, yeah, and then it just flows into, yeah, you do your category school. So I was, I was lucky the time I was in the Navy, I was enrolled as an apprentice, uh, fitter machinist in the state of Victoria at the same time because uh, they would do it, the Navy was running. Okay. Yeah, that, they got... So your qualifications were applicable outside of the Navy? That's right, because what they were, what they struggled with, the military struggled with, they had their own trade schools yeah, up until a I point. I remember that. Yeah, which was, they were sort of, you know, uh, I would say on their own, nationally recognised yeah. by employers, that, oh, wow, you've gone to the military yep. trade school, great. Then there was a gap a few years uh, where they kind of were transitioning from that to something else. Mm. And there was a whole group of people that sort of, oh, they're in a bit of a uh, grey area. And then they went, okay, right, we need to match this up to the uh, yep. some sort of nationally recognised thing. And uh, yeah, so I was actually enrolled. I did all my training and stuff um, with the military, uh, but also, yeah, it mapped across to the civilian stuff. So, so yeah. you're from Martinsville and you're now stationed in Melbourne. Yeah, it's, uh, it's down on the very south coast of Melbourne on the yep. Mornington Peninsula. So it's Crib Point right down... The butt of the earth, they used to call it. Yeah. <laughs> so you're down there and... Uh, so were you? So was your ship, were you on a ship or were you... No, so you no. actually do all this time on land. You're still on land. Yeah, yeah, so, and then they run, at the time, they hadn't, they weren't running any real programs for, uh, with ships. There was, they had a few training ships, but they were, uh, they are in various um, disrepair and, and, uh, and different things that were, like, bringing them online, offline maintenance, that sort of thing. So we didn't get a lot of time to actually... And actually, I remember distinctly not actually seeing like a warship or a ship in the flesh for almost the whole time I was down there. Yeah, so how so, long was that? So uh, like four years? No, it was uh, about two and a half years. Two and a half years. So two and a half years, you've sent, set yeah. sail for adventure. Yeah. And you haven't so, yeah. really had adventure yet. <laughs> well, it, yeah, it's, it's a different adventure. And, that, and this is this whole thing about life's yep. not what you expect, you know. Yep. In your mind, you're thinking, oh, I'm going to be driving tanks and shooting guns and sailing stuff all within one week. But it's not like that, you know, and they sort of, things unlock as you go along. So you, uh, I mean, it's great. You get to shoot guns, you get to do all this training, you're in the military environment. And and to be fair, there's there's a lot of military type stuff going on, you know, there's Mm. always choppers flying around and things that, and you know, army squadrons marching past with weapons and stuff like that. So, but essentially uh, the Navy did it a bit differently at that time where, I did almost two years of just straight TAFE. So where is the equivalent? So where, uh, say, people, um, say you're a carpenter or so something like that. So you paid to go to TAFE and you had yeah. lodgings and food and... Yep, yeah, w- yeah. so we, we uh, food was, 
uh, I think that yeah that was free, but the uh, accommodation was like highly yep. subsidised. So yep. you sign, you have to contribute a little bit because um, you can live off the base. Okay. Uh, so in your own um, stuff, like married guys join all that sort of stuff and have yep. a family. So it's all that taken care of. Uh, and then you're in this big group of guys that are just uh, sorry, guys and girls at the time was you know really strongly weighted towards the guys, but mm -hmm. um, so and we just pretty much went to TAFE every day. Uh, or, well, I say TAFE, but I'm, it's it's this similar thing where yep. you don't. It wouldn't be like three days of or four days of working and then one day at TAFE. It was just intensive learning mm -hmm. the whole time, going to class. Then we do mechanical stuff. So did you, you enjoy know. that coming from an environment where you said I didn't really like school? I tell you what, uh, it was an amazing experience. I, I didn't like school, I didn't do well. It's not until I got to that that part of my career, if you will, I thought, yes, this is for me. And I started excelling and I don't think I ever failed another test. Yeah, wow. Mm. It, was, it was like a light bulb. Yeah, you don't realise, you just, it's so long trying to put a square peg in a round hole. Mm. All of a sudden, oh, this is me. This is my. This is where I'm meant to be. You yeah. know. And he just. I was enthusiastic. I wanted to learn the material. I went back and did the. Um, at the time, they used to call it um, reverse maths or something. Where it was, I went. I elected to go back and redo all my mathematics, which it's amazing when you apply yourself. You yeah. think, oh, okay, and then sort of what you're asking before. I can start to see the road ahead, and yep. you're like, "Yes, I'll, this is. I can yeah, study okay. this." Then all of a sudden, we're doing milling and machining and welding and all this cool stuff. That's you know, and and in amongst all that, all the military skills are still going on. So you're still training. Mm. You still you know you've got a high level of fitness, which obviously helps you mentally. You're doing all this. It's just this cool environment where they're just like, "Yeah, this is we're just going to learn every day. We're going to learn all this cool stuff. Do like electrics, you know, all this, yeah." Trade stuff, fault finding machinery, you know, diesel stuff. Yeah, okay. So it's all that sort of stuff where I'm thinking to myself, wow, we could have been doing this at school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> instead of just learn how to spell this English word. Yeah. Wasn't for you. I don't care about English. They keep changing. <laughs> like, if they could make up the word email, like, it's like, yeah, that's but right. then all of a sudden you find your mind is like, Focus. I could focus my mind. And once I, once I found something that I want to do, I never look back. So let's fast forward. I want, I want to get on a ship. Tell me about your first yeah. posting. <laughs> okay, so uh, my first posting wa was I ended up coming back to Sydney for uh, personal reasons, uh, and uh, so that was that was just after my mum died. Uh, so they take that sort of stuff into consideration. So I said, "Listen, post me back east. I've got some family stuff to sort out." And then they said, "Okay, here's a list of options that you can go to sea on." Because as a marine technician, they then, then you can you can split again. So yep. you can be anything from. Um, so they have uh, land-based stuff, uh, ship-based stuff, and they said, "Here's a here's a ship. They're going to take all these guys. We're going to train you on a ship." And that was HMS Canimbla. So it was a landing craft ship. Yeah, it was super cool. And going on it for the first time was just like, "Wow, this thing's <laughs> amazing. It's massive. Like seeing it from the wall." So what's the time frame? How long since you'd started till you got on that ship? Uh, I think it was. I'd have to do. I'd have to check back, but it was at least three and a half years or three yeah, years. Okay. I would have. Th I would have thought. So you've kind of done an yeah. apprenticeship and then you're on. Yeah. So you do all your theory apprenticeship, and yep. then they give you a big task log, uh, task book, and it says, "Okay, here's all the practical. So you've learned all the theory. Yep, here's all the it. practical tasks. 
you know, do this three times, weld yep. this three times, get it signed off. And they go, here's a ship uh, that's just, we were just going to mill around in, uh, out off the coast and you use nice well, and I was going to ask, that's you know? what, that ship, that first mm. one, you weren't sailing to Timor or anything like that. You were just basically sailing the waters of Australia? Well, what it, was it? It, was, it was interesting. Then they said, um, so that ship could take tanks inside of it, yeah. uh, helicopters, the whole lot of, a bunch of army guys. Uh, so it was a really cool ship to be on. It was, it was big too. We were sailing around doing our training thing, and that kind of like just running it through, us, through our paces type so of thing. Drills, yep. yeah, drills. And then they said, we got back one day, and they said, um, so we need to go and help some people, and you can either stay on or go and go home. And me and a mate of mine said, oh, we're staying on. Let's yeah, go. Let's do it. <laughs> and that was so the adventure. Tick yeah, box had that was started. the first operation, the first time I went operational, which is uh, Operelex, which at the time was uh, north uh, north west border defence. Uh, against uh, boat people. Yeah, in, okay. uh, well, wow, that's a bit of a harsh way to say it, but it was defending the, the shores, yep. uh, Christmas border Island, security. border security, all that type of stuff. Uh, managing the boat people, if you will, because at that time, uh, I think that was John Howard days and that was the return of the boats policy. So it was a pretty intense time. So, yep. and there's all, they were all trying to come and land and then, you know, uh, managing all that. And uh, that was, whoa, that was amazing. That was yeah, helicopters embarked, and you know they got the yeah. It's, it was it's so an amazing. So marine technician. So you're, I'm guessing, working mm. on the pumps, the equipment, the the me- mechanisms to make the boat go. Yeah, that's exactly right. So a lot of people think. So your job isn't standing on the ship deck with a gun pointing it at at an enemy or whoever. No, yeah, that's right. It, you're absolutely. It, it's it's a very distinct difference. Yeah. Uh, where it, there's three parts. There's main engines. Uh, power generation and auxiliaries. So that's uh, so all the auxiliary that's equipment. So if you can imagine a town, a small, say a small country town, and pick that up and have to put it somewhere else, yeah. you've got to take all the water, all the sewerage, all the lights, uh, and then move the thing forward. So you've got to have guys that can do main engines and things like that. So yeah, it was my job too. And I, I realised pretty quickly I was good at fault finding and complex systems that were sort of joined together. So I started to specialise in what they call auxiliaries. So pumping seawater, making and pumping fresh water, sewerage management, uh, compressed air. Ships use a lot of compressed air. Mm. Uh, pumps for pumping the fuel around. Or there's there's uh, an amazing amount of things that you think yeah. you have to take with you as a whole town to go out in the ocean. And oh, anything from, yeah, there's... A, they used to call us um, uh, as a bit of a rib as dunnies, doors, and drains. Yep. So <laughs> you know, handyman through to because uh, you've got doors on there that seal yeah. uh, airtight. So and they have to be maintained to make sure that you know, if there's a fire on the other side or chemicals or whatever. So I started to specialise in that. So we had plan maintenance and, and breakdown maintenance. So they'd call us up. Oh, this pump's broken. We'd go down, fault find it, fix it. Hope we had the parts. Make parts if we didn't have to. Uh, make parts if we if we couldn't find them or on the ship. So so tell me how mm. one of the things I've always been fascinated by is I work Monday to Friday, so I get Saturday and Sunday off. Yeah, how does a roster work on a ship like that? <laughs> That's another great question. It's uh, essentially that, and they're very clear when you first go on. They say t- you are at work here twenty four hours a day, seven <laughs> days a week. You know, <laughs> no sitting in the corner sucking your thumbs sort of type of thing. Yep. Uh, and then so you they have watch keepers and day workers. So watch keepers are obviously working through the night because the ship runs 24 hours a day. Mm, yeah. And they have sort of one of the routines for the technical guys is four hours on, eight hours off. 
So you work for four hours on the shift, then you have eight hours off, and that just goes and goes throughout 24 hours a day. Yeah. Okay. So And in that eight hours off... You I was going to say, what do you do in that time? Yeah, you get to have dinner, you get to have a rest, you clean, got to clean the ship. Uh, you might go outside if it's the eight hours that's during the day. Yep. Uh, some guys... Uh, then there's day workers, so guys that are wor- working sort of... Yeah, it's, it's, it's not nine to five, it's more seven till whenever you get to go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> so... But then they do what they call um, uh, Sunday sea routine. So on a Sunday or any day that's available that something <laughs> bad's on happening. Call it, call it a Sunday. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so they call it uh, Sunday sea routine. And everybody who doesn't, isn't locked into sort of keeping the ship afloat, they'll pull the barbecues out. They'll have, you know, that doesn't happen every day, but, you know, they'll play games and play hockey on the deck of the ship and, yep. and carry on and just relax and things like that. So, yeah, that was what I was trying to get to. What's the relax? Mm. How do you relax on the ship? Oh, there's many ways. I remember that first trip, um, they said, oh, we're having a we're having a, a upper deck barbecue. And I think, oh, that sounds good. You know, they go, oh, no, no, you haven't seen nothing yet. So <laughs> you get, uh, so you work and sort of, it just flows into a bit of, there's not much else to do on those Sundays, so why not get a bit of work done? So all of a sudden you just you're just working on the ship. It becomes daily life. You get to relax at night and things like that. And in the mornings, uh, so they set they dock the ship, they put the anchor down, and these guys bring out this projector. Right, I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be good. So they shut the hangar doors on the ship, <laughs> and this is where uh, anchored off Christmas. And this now we're getting into the adventure stuff, right? Yeah. So we're anchored off Christmas Island. We've been traipsing around the ocean for three weeks looking for people yep. and keep them in Australia safe. And they say, right, we're going to relax. Helicopter hangar doors down, projector on the ship, projecting the movie onto the hangar doors. Oh, I thought and they, you were going to say share. <laughs> <laughs> and they bring, they bring out the eskies. Everyone gets a beer issue. Uh, they, start, they start up the barbecues. You know, everyone's got their uniforms off. They got the, you know, just uh, T-shirts and singlet. And then, uh, you know, the Top Gun music starts yep. and then like, the sun's going down, <laughs> you know. And everyone's just having a great time. And yeah, it's good. it's those times where you just think, yeah, this is this is it. This is why you joined, you know, that sort of thing. So did you get to see, like, the world? Was that part of your adventure? Uh, what did you get to explore? Pretty much, yeah. So yeah. Uh, the second – so I got back and the second time I went to sea was a, a real, a really different experience. Uh, I joined the FFG uh, frigates, the fast missile guided frigates, which are Australia's main warship or um, – do you have to so, be selected to get that? Is it like uh, an appointment or is it a it, put my hand up job? It, it, it's a bit of both. So yeah. uh, the, the uh, ships are all broken down into critical roles and key roles and then auxiliary roles type of thing. You need a captain, okay? So not anyone can be the captain. So yeah. you have to have prerequisites, a bit like sort of you'd ask people here, mm-hmm. hey, uh, what are your skills? Uh, yep. What do you want to do? What are you able to do? Uh, you know, oh, I can be a captain. Oh, okay, that's great, you know. <laughs> then everyone down through the list. So here's me. Oh, I'm a. I'm a. I've just off been an apprentice mechanic, uh, marine mechanic, uh, marine technician. I've got these skills. Okay, great. I can tick these boxes, and I'll. I want to see if I can go on any of these ships, and they'll have you because they're shorter people. So I was working at the fleet support unit, doing some welding, and you know, supporting the ships on on the shore. And we're standing in the squad one day, and uh, and they said. Um, uh, the FFG HMAS Melbourne is uh, slated to go to the Middle East, so they were mission ready, and they were going to relieve. I think it was HMAS Canberra or Adelaide that was in the uh, in the Middle East at the time. Uh, and I remember me and my mate, we just before we even finished talking, we had our hands in the air. <laughs> so yeah, we're ready to go. Well, this was like a pre-selection, right? Or like a backup 
sort of on the bench. I said, oh, okay, very good, settle down, you know, we'll put your names on the list, you know, you probably won't hear anything uh, and, 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 you know, get back to work sort of thing. Okay, no worries. So I told Jess girls, or my wife, I was going out with her at the time. I said, oh, listen, just to let you know, I've put my name on this list. Hey, you probably won't hear, hear anything of it. <laughs> anyway, nearly two weeks later the day, I get us all outside again, standing in a squad. Right, whoever had their name on this list, you're going, you're flying, at, in two days' time, you're flying to Fremantle to meet the ship, and then you're going to the Middle East. Wow. <laughs> that quick. Yeah. So, so step me through that. So Jess, how does Jess deal with that? Yeah, well, I, we'd, I think we'd been uh, together since... Uh, she's going to test me here if she listens to it, but <laughs> let's say the last few years of school. Uh, and, uh, and then, so I rang her and said, listen, I'm, I'm coming up the coast uh, to see you one last time. Packed all my bags. So, so let's step backwards. So you, you yeah. met before school school finished? Uh, yeah, we met. Uh, so how did you... So you had a long-distance relationship the whole time? Yeah, I, I went off to do the Navy thing. It yeah. actually... It's one of these things where the absence makes the heart grow fonder. And it was actually a really good segue. I went off to do my military thing. She mm. went off to do her... She became a teacher in her mm. early childhood um, So you degree. guys focused on your studies? Yeah, focused on the studies. Uh, and she was kind of... I think she kind of... She didn't know what she wanted to do, but she was kind of like, oh, I'm going to go to uni, I'm going to do this. Yeah, okay, that's great. And I was just kind of like one day, similar to this scenario, I said, listen, uh, I'm going, I just joined the military. Yep. <laughs> oh, great idea. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's yeah, bye. <laughs> and then, you know, at the time it was just like the flip phones are just yeah, yeah, like Nokia's right. just yep. had to come out. Different and technology. Calling her with all my 20 cents I had on the payphone, that sort of thing. So. Yep. It's gone back a bit there, so and like like phone calls were expensive. Mm. Like you know, I'm gonna call you for thirty seconds and then hang up. You know, yeah. so we did all that for for a lot of years, and then uh, and she's always she's been so supportive. She's like, yep, whatever you feels right. So uh, yeah, I put my name on this list, uh, and in the in the end, I said to my mate, "This is all we're here for, right? Yeah, that's, that's right. Why did we join if we're not? Yeah, you know, sort of thing." So uh, yeah, I shut up the coast to see her. Packed my bags, drove back. You know, you got a bit of the shaky leg. You're sitting at the airport. Uh, first plane I'd taken in since I was a kid, I think. Yeah. Yeah, so it's all this, like, things just come at you one after the other. Never been to Fremantle. Where the hell's Fremantle? <laughs> oh, okay, so I'm going over there. And then, uh, so we land, we find our way, we find our way to the ship. You know, and then the yelling starts. Where, where have you been? You report to this guy, you know. And uh, for everyone who's, if you've never been on a ship... It's like a maze, it's like a giant yeah. 3D maze. So it's not like a maze where you're walking on one level and you just keep walking. It's 3D. It's up, it's down, it's left, it's right, it's back, it's front. Uh, and so go and find this guy. Oh, me and this guy, well, it's lost <laughs> straight off, right? Anyway, so long story short, the ship sails the following day. So wow. this, it's just coming so quick and they're like, you know, they give you a gas mask, they give you this, they give you that, and it's all your training, you've done all this training, but here's the real deal, yeah, here's the happening. stuff. Yeah, you need to go ashore, you need to get these 10 things and come back. And like, we didn't know, we didn't, uh, like, do we take money? Like, mm. do we, you know, turns out you do, because you can buy stuff on the ship, because the ship has a little shop, okay. you know what I mean? Now, kind of, we'd learned some of that stuff from the Canimbla. Yep. Anyway, and then I saw another mate of mine on there, then all of a sudden, it's from, you go from there to ropes off, and we're all, and we're off. And you kind of—it's just this surreal feeling. So then, where you're, as soon as that happens, you guys are in in action. So yeah, you—is like, it a different to the Canimbla? Is it a different? As uh, soon as you leave, it was there? very different. We yep. were still so it's what you call uh, so you're still operational because uh, that previous trip wasn't operate. It was operational, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, this very different, very different mood. Uh, 
not so much somber, but everybody just very like, yes, we're doing this, and we're this is yep. like no plans do- for movies up top. Yeah, exactly, dotting the eyes, crossing the t's, you know, sort of everyone having dinner and going about their jobs and things like that. And um, so we sailed to an island called Diego Garcia, which is uh, to refuel the ship. So that took about two weeks. Met some bad weather, which is interesting. I've never been in bad weather on FFG, but um, <laughs> they're like a bottle in the ocean. So yeah, it's, wow. yeah, it was pretty intense sort of stuff. That's the worst, some of the worst weather I'd ever gone through uh, and still ha- to this day. And that was the fifth night in on the ship where you know you have to strap yourself into your bed and all that type Jeez. of stuff yeah it's amazing and then they say and then it gets real uh then you, you go like mission they like yep so you go to um there's very different levels of the ship uh of intensity that they put the ship at yep uh they say Dead okay five. yeah yeah <laughs> it's not quite yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> it's not quite as glamorous as that but it, it's it's pretty similar. much as similar yeah they've got you know cruising watches which just means we're cruising around which means you can relax and lots of stuff um then they've got defense watches which is almost half the ship is always awake and half the ship is asleep yep. so you can imagine that a whole a whole city or a whole, a whole town of people sitting at their windows yeah. with their guns look watching you know or people maintaining all the machinery all the time 24 hours a day to be ready to fight act. or defend yep. the ship or act or that sort of thing and then so then, then you sail in through the Straits of Hormuz, which is the entrance to the Gulf, the Arabian Gulf, up in the Middle East, and that's whew, that's when it starts. It's like, well, this is, you this know, is we're, we're here, we're here to do a job. This is the job, and um, yeah. So, how long were you? How long were you in the Middle East for? So uh, I was in I was in the Middle East for about four months. It was a total trip of about six months, yep. and four months uh, what they call on station or like you know. So we're there as part of the United Nations and that sort of thing, sort of uh, anti-terrorist operations. And I don't know if a lot of people know this, but a huge percentage of the world's oil comes to two oil terminals that fill up all the ships that mm. supply a lot of the world for their oil out of that uh, in the Middle East. And there's daily, oh, I wouldn't know about daily, but a lot of the time there's guys trying to blow it up. Yeah. Uh, there's like, yeah, there's shonky stuff going all the time. There's guys trying to lay sea mines. There's, uh, you know, they're smuggling guns, they're smuggling oil. What they'll do is they'll like smuggle oil in the bottom of the ships or smuggle drugs, they smuggle people. So there's this whole melting pot of craziness going on that you're there as part of that team mm-hmm. of ships and uh, countries to defend uh and and sort of so how did you defend it what did you have what did your ship do uh so you you go on station about every for about two weeks at a time yep so essentially like i described take it in turns so french might do two weeks you do two weeks america does two weeks exactly and and then you go you know you go maintain your ship so they'll go okay it's your turn uh it's essentially like the simplest version of what would be is is a security guard walking back and forth yep checking all the doors making sure hey who are you Right, pull you over. Actually, uh, sim- more like, yeah, police as well. Yeah, pull you mm. over. Right, search your ship. Hey, you've got bombs on here. You yeah. know, and there's all uh, intelligent stuff that's going on in the back. You know, secret squirrel stuff that they get. Oh uh, yeah, you know, we think this guy's uh, you know, watch him come, and then we'll pull them over. Yeah, okay. Which is actually really difficult to, for one ship to pull over another ship. Yeah, yeah. It's like you put the lights on. Stay in the <laughs> stay in the lanes. Do not thing. get out of your vehicle. Yeah. And they'll, they, uh, it's just a million stories of craziness where, so we would board the ships if we if we yeah. pulled them over. So you over. were part of the boarding party? Uh, no, I was never part of that. I was um, say, you're still fixing Yeah, equipment. still on the ship fixing equipment. Um, and you can elect to do that, mm-hmm. but I just, 
I, I kind of it never sort of that wasn't your gig. I, it just never fell into it, and I was kind of they give it to the real experienced guys. So I was relatively inexperienced at that stage because yep. you know so I was still um, learning my trade, learning about the ships, and then you at the same time you do operator qualifications. So not only can you fix the ship, but you learn how to oh, operate to the yep. yeah the power generation machinery. Uh, you you learn how to operate the main engines from uh, um, uh, and all the auxiliary equipment from the control rooms. So there's all this whole world um, buzzing underneath the ship that needs to happen all the time so and they give those really to they give those roles to the experienced guys and they do take a few um uh, mechanical guys with them because they need sometimes those guys that you board those ships they try to scuttle their own ship or try to set it on fire or damage it you know yep. some guys that tried they'll shoot at you then duck inside and try and weld themselves inside their own ship wow. <laughs> so you can't get yeah, it's amazing so we're doing that uh that defense of that of that whole area and generally uh, it's a, I think it's a combination of like peacekeeping and um, offensive, defensive, you know, a bit like that sort of like that police yeah. work, you know. And How often do you get to contact home when you're on such a mission? Uh, it was interesting. Was you away six months in total? Yeah, I was away six months in total. Uh, or at that stage it was via email only. Yeah, okay. uh, and it was a bit rudimentary and then it has to all go through the singular Central. filter and yeah. the satellite to get out and you would bounce, if your email had certain words in it, it would, no, no. So if you had like the words, you know, Kuwait or Afghanistan or like yep. that Middle East or whatever, ah, uh, no, this wasn't that simple, but you know, yeah. Uh, so gotcha. yeah, hi, I love you, see you later, <laughs> sort of thing. Uh, and then we got to call uh, when you got ashore. So mm -hmm. we'd go to what they call the Desert Dome in um, uh, over there, which is like the big American base. Yep. They kind of lead the show on that sort of thing. Cause that's how they operate. Yep. And uh, so you can call on the phones there. There was one chance, I think, they used to run um, a bit of a raffle for charity and you could use oh. at, at night when there was no, when we'd crossed back out of the operational line, yep. you got to use the satellite phone to call home and for emergencies and stuff, which is, uh, which is interesting, but obviously that's that main lines for What about the reverse? What stuff? if Jess needed to contact you for an emergency? How, how did that work? Uh, she'd have to ring uh, Marine Headquarters or yep. Defence Head Office and, and they'd say, so I had a, and before you go, they give you sort of like a card and go, if anybody needs to get a hold of you, this is the mailing address yep. because you could send mail to the ship, which yep. is pretty intense, yeah. sending, you know, from sort of Rath Mines on the coast here, yep. sending a little package and it gets all the way to the Middle East to the warship and then yep. gets to me inside the ship. That's, I used to, I used to find that That's amazing. Awesome. Yeah. So it would, was delivered by what they call the, the Desert Duck. So it was a helicopter mail service run by the Americans. Mm. It, was like, it was like watching MASH, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then they dropped the mail on the ship. And yeah, it was, yeah. It was an amazing experience. So, uh, so they, she could get a hold of you by signal if she had to, but it yeah. was pretty like, oh, you know, something really bad's gone wrong. Yep. But essentially it was just by mail or email. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It was, It's interesting being um, so removed from... You, from society, I guess you become like a little city, yeah. like a little town. Yep. You know. So, so how long? How long did you stay in the navy for? I did ten years and six months in the navy. Okay. Yeah. So I call it ten years. Nice yep. round number. And so why did you get out? Um, people ask me that a lot. Uh, I think it is the same reason I got in is adventure. Yeah. Okay. So a many kind of adventure. different kind of adventure. Many, many, many reasons. One of those adventures being starting a family, mm. obviously, uh, which is a bit hard when you're going away all the yeah, time yeah. and this sort of thing. And um, uh, I remember I had a distinct memory of I was working on a ship and I was sort of 
acting petty officer, so I was doing the guy, uh, so I got to leading seaman, uh, leading seaman marine technician, and I was sort of doing the acting role of the next guy up. Uh, and I'd had all these different experiences and roles in the Navy, and I could, I had, I'd looked into becoming an officer, so changing over. Uh, I'd, I'd sat the preliminary board for that and got recommended. Uh, I'd passed the preliminary dive, pre- preliminary dive test uh, and fitness test to become a ship's diver. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'd sort of looked at some paperwork about becoming, uh, joining the Special Forces. So I had these options still within the military. And, I, and the fourth option was get out and become a civilian and do some civilian stuff. And I just thought to myself, oh, you know what? This always, most likely, always going to be here. Mm. What I don't know about, or what I don't know the adventure is, is essentially being a civilian on the outside. Mm. What's it like to work for a company that has sales targets and, yep. and this and that? And what, 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 what can I do? And that was, it was a nervous moment. Yeah, okay. Because I was... And so what did you get yeah. into? What was your first job out of, out of the nation? Uh, my first job was, <laughs> this is a good one, I had long service leave so I just chilled out and I actually joined the local, one of the local councils in WA, the Murdoch Council, as a tree pruner yeah, <laughs> on right. the Arborist team, yeah. Yep. So I, this, this, uh, I remember, it reminds me of the recruitment type stuff, I, uh, which they were so helpful and she kind of looked at me with a squinty eye and she said, you're way overskilled yeah. for, you any, yeah. for any of this. Look, you do all this other stuff. I said, listen, I've been operating at such a high level for so long, I just want to do a simple... Uh, and that's unfair on the tree lobbing, guys, but I just want to do something local. I want to drive to work every day and come home at you know sort of five o'clock. I just want to do something local. And uh, she said, okay, oh, are you sure? Yep. I said, okay, I want to do that for a few months. So I did that. Uh, which is the, which is really really great experience because those council guys are the best. You know they were full of fun and they were just, oh, but don't cut too many. You know, <laughs> it's a totally different but, experience yeah. to where <laughs> you've been. Yeah, just relax, mate. We don't have to get it all done in one day. You know, sort of thing. Um, and uh, and then the next job I got was um, using some of my military skills. I became a safety officer at uh, the Newmont Boddington Mine in yep. Western Australia. A huge mine down there, huge gold mine. And uh, that was another eye-opener. You know, you got a guy standing out the front saying, Wait, this shot is seven days. The minute it stops, we make gold again. You know, something. oh, wow. And uh, so I was gas-freeing um, enclosures and things for them, yeah, like okay. uh, atmospheric testing yep. and also safety-type um, stuff. And then I remember sitting with my wife, uh, and she was. we were trying to have kids at the time. That was a bit of a hard road for us. And I said... Uh, yeah, it's the same question comes up. What are you going to do? <laughs> so, right. I don't know. <laughs> it never ends. It never ends, mate. It never ends. So, and then I, and then I thought to myself, okay, what are we going to do? And she said, look, and I, and I had some experience, you know, Western Australia is very, what I call, I say, the problem with Western Australia is it's Western Australia. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a lovely place. It's really great. It's nowhere near the East it's Coast. Just so far it's away. just so far away. Yep. Uh, so we came home one night and again, all the dominoes start falling, just said all, all of a sudden, we were sitting on the couch together one night and we just said, turned to each other and said, let's go home. Mm. I said, yep, for sure. Let's do it. So we, uh, I went, I went in, put my, dis- uh, oh, sorry, I was already out at that time. Let's go home. And we were pretty much home within, I think about three months. Yep. We just packed up, came home, lived with Jess's parents for a few months put all our money together and bought Duns Creek. 
and then, uh, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> what's the career <laughs> here in, in So, again, I go to the recruitment guys, all these guys in town here, uh, various different jobs, some fitting jobs. You know, I worked for some guys like Sykes Allite making um, pumps, you know, yep. use that auxiliary pump experience. Yep. So you kind of... So you transitioned your skills. Yeah. You and tap, now you're using them in a civilian life. Exactly. You tap into these little... Yep. Little parts of your skill space that you've got, you know, and then uh, then I get a job at VLI doing some mechanical stuff. Say, so that's that's now. What are you yeah. doing now? So then, uh, so now I'm a compliance and production supervisor. So I look after their uh, under my boss. Uh, we looked after their quality management system and safety management system. Yep. And also uh, supervise the manufacturing of our conveyor roller division here at, yeah, okay. at Beresfield. Yeah, so I started out with those guys. Again, you just sort of, this, this, it's almost like you sh- you're shaking the tin and what skills can, have you got that come to the surface? So yep. I do the mechanical stuff, then the leadership starts stuff coming out. I became leading hand, then the, you know team leader type stuff. And then they said to me, geez, man, you've got a great eye for this quality, like systems efficiency stuff. I recommend you apply for this internal role. So I do that. So I've been with those guys for about seven years now. Mm-hmm. So uh, and I go to all the various branches and do auditing for them to make sure they're on track and um, help them with their certifications and issues, quality issues, all that type of stuff. So safety. So yeah, it's been a, it's been an interesting road to get where I am. But um, if you if you had asked me back at the start, would I have done any of that? It's like no. Yeah, no. And was there a plan? No. No. Just whatever. Is You've the next thing that through. I think I can achieve is that's where you can go. Well, yeah, as I was about to say, that's mm. you, we're talking about plans. What's next for Lachlan? Again, what are you going to do? <laughs> What's next? Uh, I think for me, um, I'm or I'm very conscious of mind and body. So mm-hmm. it's all very well to be fit physically, but you have to keep your mind active. So I do a lot of training, and at the moment I'm going to uh, VLI supporting me to do my. Uh, I did my cert for workplace health and safety, and mm-hmm. my cert for in business. Uh, uh, sorry, leadership and management. I think it's called. Mm-hmm. So sort of guiding myself into that upper level leadership management type stuff, which people. I mean, you try to look at yourself from the inside. People say, "Oh yeah. man, you're you're really good at this." You know, I'm thinking to myself. You, again, you got those reservations like, oh, what, you know, am I going to be any good at this, you know? But just back myself and say, okay, so management type. I think I want to push myself into that, uh, guide myself into that um, side of things. Maybe be a manager of, you know, part of a business or something like that. Okay. Also, started my own business this year, yep. which has been do? a hell of a thing. Uh, it's property maintenance. Yep. So I say it. I say to people, I'm just an experienced lawnmower, <laughs> but um, I do all sorts of property maintenance, you know, fixing doors and repairs and yeah, you know, right. all that sort of stuff. Anything to do with properties I've found along the way. So how are you, are you generating that through real estate agents or just... Uh, actually, uh, I had a, an opportunity uh, where um, the company said, man, we're not getting a really good service here. And I said, listen, I, I can do a better job. Yep. Uh, and the guy said, you got an AVN? I said, no. He said, well, Can't you better get one, get one sort that out. Uh, so it's actually been an amazing word of mouth. Yeah, uh, yeah it starts with friends. So is that, is that plan to do that long-term as like a side hustle? Is that what you want it to be? Uh, it's interesting. We, we spoke about, is there a plan? And I think I'm getting better at making a plan for myself. Mm. And I once I had that opportunity, I've used that 
starting my own business, not so much to, um, sorry, is as a learning curve, as a learning tool, as like a training example for myself. So people might say, oh, I start my own business because I I want to have more time with my family or whatever. I'm like, no. (laughs) If you ask me, why did you start your own business? I said, well, one, I had an opportunity and I took that opportunity and some support from other people. But in my mind, it's like, right, here's an opportunity for me to do this and learn a heap of things about being a sole trader, learning your own business, you know, tax, uh, rules and regulations, all that stuff about running a business. Um, In my mind, when I'm... I think when can I retire now? Like 67 or something. <laughs> so, you know, or when I retire from full time work, uh, that's going to be my little yeah, project yeah. on the side. It gotcha. might sit dormant. Yep. Um, I've got it to a point now where if I turned it off right today, it wouldn't cost me any money. Uh, I'm actually doing really well out of it. But it, it is a lot of time. Yep. Uh, it's actually exceptionally amount, a lot of time, but um, especially with two young kids. But it's that learning curve uh, that I needed. Mm. And uh, yeah, so it's no grand plan with that, but just to keep it ticking over and have sort of a background plan, I guess plan B, plan A, B, C, D, you know, so. um, Okay. Before mm. we finish off with your career, I want want to ask this question. Navy, civilian life, you've experienced both. Do you regret leaving the Navy or do you love what you do now? Nah, I love what I do now. Yep. Good. But I'd go back any day. Yeah. I'd say to people... They better not put a warship at Newcastle because <laughs> <laughs> I'll walk straight back on. But yeah, it's, no, I don't regret it. You can't. Yep. You can't. I'd, I'd always love that time. But yeah, okay. it's glad I got out. All right. Yeah. Well, we've got a time machine in our podcast. <laughs> the Career Conversations time <laughs> yeah. machine. If you could go back and ask or give some advice to 20-year-old Lachlan, given what you know now, what would, what would that advice be? Uh, I've, thought, I've thought about this. And uh, my advice would be back yourself mentally as hard as you do physically. Yeah, right. So I've never had a problem So you've had a physically. perception of yourself, I'm fit, yeah. but mentally I'm not. Yeah. Or like I'm, I'm When not, you were 20. Yeah. Mm. That's changed today. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Okay. That's good advice. Yeah. Good advice. Well, yeah. mate, thank you. I really enjoyed this one. It was great to hear about your career arc and, great. and the service. So, mate, good luck in the future. I mean, good. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Really great. A very big thank you today to our guest, Lachlan. I really enjoyed bringing you that conversation. I think I may have taken him outside his comfort zone slightly in this uh, chat, but he was fantastic, and I really appreciate him giving his time and being so open about his career and how he started, and it was a great conversation, so thanks again, Lachlan. If you'd like to learn more about Lachlan, you can go and visit him at uh, LinkedIn, and I'll put his URL uh, up in the show notes where you can find all of our other podcasts, which is at www www.hrgroup.com.au forward slash podcast remember you can always subscribe to our podcast at either soundcloud or at apple's itunes Um, and if you go into itunes please be sure to make sure you leave us uh, a review because the more reviews we get the more people will see our podcast and be able to hear these great conversations until next time i'm craig mcgregor and thanks for listening